Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And I promise I won't drop anything into anybody's engines. <laughs> <laughs> what if you break studs off into the engines? Oh man, what a fiasco week it's been for everybody, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Um, it would start with what you're doing and finding things that shouldn't be in your motor. So I, I got the thing running really well, as you remember, last week. This is the Driven to Beth uh, Mercedes, yep. Yes, like I like I talked about, I, I sat there and I got everything dialed in. And, and then you just like, turned the key off. <laughs> like, yeah, I got everything dialed in and it was running great. Remember, yep. I was like, I'm being very careful. Remember how very I talked diligent. about how careful? Yeah, careful, yeah. diligent, very, very, like, very careful. Getting all the linkages, like, just ever, because I wanted it just, just perfect, just ever so perfect. Right, okay. And uh, all of a sudden I go, wow, there's an oil leak. And there's oil just like pouring off the the oil pan onto the ground. Just pouring. Was it that bad? Oh, it was like drip, 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 drip. Yeah, pretty steady. Pretty significant. Like you can't drive it like that. No, you would be leaving a nice trail. I went, okay, well, I'll just pop that off and have a look. Yeah. So front main seal. Yep. First thing I do is I take a can of brake cleaner and I spray the whole front of the motor down completely. Wipe everything clean. Okay. And I start it up and run it again. Sure enough, I can see that the front main seal is leaking. Now, what's nice is this vehicle, you can just replace that without disassembling everything. Like, you just yeah, take well, the front, pull so it the off. Front, the front main seal is basically you have a crankshaft that runs well, in the engine, right? It goes in the engine, makes all your pistons go up and down. Just, just for people right. that don't know, and not, not everybody knows. No, yeah. And the, it has to, the crankshaft has to drive things that are outside of the engine. Right, it has to drive accessories on the front of the engine, and it has yep. to drive the transmission on the rear of the engine. Come and in on. order for that to happen, the crank needs to stick out of the block, right? And so you need some sort of seal, otherwise yes. there's a lot of oil inside. Oil go outside. Yes. So it's basically it's like a ring, okay? Yeah. So it's like a, a a rubber ring donut that sits there, and it spins on it, and it keeps the oil in the engine. If that fails, the oil is no longer kept in the engine. The oil is then kept on the outside of the engine. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yeah. So the oil, like those, those do fail, and a lot of times they'll fail. On uh, I had a th- that one rabbit that I dragged out of a field that okay. had been sitting there since like 1996 or something like that. Had been sitting there yeah. for 17 years or something, and it had a leaky rear main seal. Yeah, is originally why it was parked, which I didn't realize right away. And I got to like I went on a road trip in this thing. Oh no! And I got to like Indiana, and the clutch started to slip. <laughs> and uh-huh. I'm like, oh, oh great, oh great. So on a on a Volkswagen, the the engine and uh, transmission it's, tra- it's uh, lot transverse, so you can see yep, the transmission right layout. there. And there's a little timing hole that you can look, and you can see the flywheel, so you can do timing. Yeah. So I take that out, and I just bought like a case of brake cleaner. And I'm just like spraying brake cleaner into this like timing hole so all over the clutch. The clutch it, it worked. It worked. So yeah. I would do it while it's running, and I'm just like, just like pouring <laughs> cans of brake cleaner. And that would work for maybe 50 miles, and then oh, it would start no. to leak again because like, there's oil getting on the clutch. Right. And so Anyways, it just sits there and slips. So you, so you need to. Uh, anyway, I ended up shit canning that entire engine and putting a gas you know, engine in that thing. You say like, oh yeah, these do fail sometimes. I'm surprised yes. when you think about what it is, it doesn't fail more often because you have an engine running at however many you know thousands of revs for how many hundreds of miles, thousands of miles, maybe hundreds of thousands of miles, yes. and it's just a rubber thing sitting there that's constantly being 
right. like run against. It's wild. Yeah, that but that it's got stays. it has a slight film of oil on it at all times. Yeah, and that's how it's supposed to. You work, know, that's but and it's very very pliable. Yeah, very, that's very probably soft. why they fail, and that's why a lot of seals fail. If you don't drive it, then they yeah. don't get lubricated, right? They, they dry, dry out. out. They exactly. Out. So th- that's what I thought had happened. Oh, and I'm like, okay. oh yeah. Well, I should have replaced this when I had everything apart. Is what yeah. I was like. I was thinking to myself, but I had poked it like with a screwdriver. <laughs> You're like, I'm like this is yeah. soft. It's soft. I'm like, it it yeah. doesn't need to be replaced. I'm the not going test. to do it. The poke test. Um, well, I, you can do that. Like anything rubber, you can feel if it's bad. They oh, yeah. Get, things yeah. get hard over time, especially if you're running like a synthetic oil. That's one of the things that um, older oil does better with older seals is it does keep things a little more <sighs> We need to get a actual like uh, oil chemist on the show because mm. that's like a, a back and forth misnomer. Like, oh, well, the molecules are smaller on synthetic, so it goes and weeps through seals. And it's then other true. people are like, that's not ah, true. No, but there's also detergents in synthetic yeah, oil. Yeah, it's the which, additives, I think. Yeah, the additives that cause problems, and they can cause things to get cleaner, which is not always what you want in something. Sometimes the, sometimes <laughs> sometimes the dirt is the keeping dirt. things The dirt, the dirt is, is the seal. Good. Yes. Uh, anyway, so this thing's leaking. I get the pulley off. I had to go buy a puller. I didn't have a crank pulley puller at all really okay nope, and nothing else that you had would work by the way this is a little yeah. uh little plug for harbor freight oh geez. i took a i broke a screwdriver one of their icon screwdrivers supposed to have okay. a lifetime warranty right oh so i didn't know that yeah anything icon is lifetime warranty and i'm like okay how is this going to work because what yeah. i had what i had done what was i taking apart oh i was actually taking apart this vice right here i was taking the jaws <laughs> off this vice to, uh-huh. to to like fix the jaws because they were all flat and worn out yeah, but I couldn't get one of the the uh, the screws out of the vise. Yeah. So what I did is I took the screwdriver and I put it in the vise. In the vise, yeah. In the vise, and then I used like they usually have like a hex on the screwdriver. <laughs> yep. And, I, yeah, and you and put I, a wrench it, on it. Yeah, and it broke the tip right off the screwdriver. Oh man. Okay. So I so I take the screwdriver in. And I go, hey, I've got a usually screwdriver right here. it's incorrect use using a screwdriver as a pry bar. That's what I always yes. gets me. Which yeah, you're not yeah. supposed to do either. Not supposed to do that. No. no. So okay. I take it in. I go. So, here it is. The screwdriver is broken. They go, oh, okay. Go get a new one off the, go get a new set off the shelf. I okay. said, okay, I bring the new set up. They go, they take it right out of the box, handed me the new one and said, here you go. That was it. That that's was, awesome. that was it. It was so, because it reminded me of it, Craftsman back yes, in the day. That's how Sears. it used to be with Craftsman. You'd go to Sears. I've done it. You know, you take your screwdriver in and replace it. And it usually yep. take them like five at a time. Cause you'd have to go to Sears to do it. Yep. And they're always like, Really? Yeah, but they don't do that anymore. No, I don't think they they, they well, do not. not at well, Sears. if you can find a Sears, there's no Sears open around Sears me anymore. Even a thing, is no, it? Craftsman is at like Lowe's now. You can go to Ace. Lowe's and buy Craftsman and Target. Yeah, Lowe's. And like other things. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know if they swap it out there. I've never tried. I have no idea. I don't. But I that's good to know about Harbor Craftsman tools. Okay. Yeah, so, Har- so it was great. So, but there's always that. I always wondered why there was that for sale table at the front with like one thing missing out of everything. Oh, it's because they have to open it. Yeah. I said, I said, what kind of asshole is stealing one screwdriver out of all these sets and one socket? What is going on? It's (laughs) it's people that break stuff. It's you. So that was good to know. So that just heads up guys. That that was nice. Um, I don't know if you're, if you're dead because your jack stand failed, you're probably not going to be able to do anything about that. Yeah. But anyway, so I I take this, this, uh, take the crank pulley off, get it off. Okay. And I, and I go, okay, there's a seal. And it's, and it's kind of like cockeyed a little bit. I'm like, how did that, how did that happen? It's, it's not, well, not cockeyed, but it's like, 
it's, it's not I can tell it's, it's it's moved it's like it's not okay in, in its right spot it's not in its home yeah it should be nice and flush on the block yes but i didn't really think anything of it so i grabbed my little pick and i kind of stick it in there and i you know i was gonna ask the, you what method you used because there's some all people kinds say of different methods you can like put a screw into it just don't yep. go too deep but you can screw a screw into it and then just pull it with the pliers. I'm but always yeah, scared of that because you, I don't want to scratch. Because if you scratch the crank, it's yeah, going to leak. Exactly. Leak. So I always try to use like a like a like I like a little uh, little angle pick, pick or something. Or something. And yep. it, usually you can you can work them out. Screw. Okay. I've, I have done the screw method as well. Usually the screw goes in and it pushes on the flat face of the crankshaft. And it basically pushes the seal out as well. Which is also what is. probably isn't good because then probably you're not a good idea. Marring up that surface too. Yeah, you don't okay. want to do any so, of that. You get the so seal I get out the easily. seal out, and I'm like, okay, where's my seal? I'm looking for it. I find it. I'm and I go and I go to start lining it back up, and I yep. go, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and I and I just like I'm like, what is what is that thing just lying what there? And I started. What is that movie? The old movie where the guy sees like a gremlin on the wing or something? He's like, ah, what's that? And yeah, so he you opens have a the gremlin window. In yeah, the that's yeah, Twilight exactly. Zone. I was in the Twilight Zone. Yes. Okay. Of this car, because I'm like, what? could that be yes. you know i'm like and i look well, the more i'm looking at you it saw. okay so it is like a i saw a silver nub like the end mm-hmm. of something like the end of mm-hmm. aha a timing chain guy how did you okay but you can't see all that all you have no, is like an eighth I, inch I know little what window like. i know what they look like okay. because i've replaced but, them but it was it was obvious that that little portion was not supposed to be there yeah because when you poked it it would rattle around Okay, yeah, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> nothing nothing inside of an engine is supposed to rattle. Should around. rattle. Yes, there's, exactly. There's no rattling allowed. Anything loose or floppy or rattling, that's always not supposed bad. to be that way. Always yes. bad. These things are machined within uh, thousandths of an inch. So if anything is rattling, you're in deep shit. Right. Uh, so, okay. So and I go, wow, that is a timing chain guide. Yes. And I go, and the first thing I go is, what what guide is it? So I get out the book. And okay. I start looking, and I go, wow, there's like six guides in this engine. Really? For the I, one timing chain? For the one timing chain. I look at it, and I go, at least three of these guides could not exist, and the thing would run. So I'm okay. thinking there's like some redundancy here from oh, Mercedes. Like, I mean, it's dude, these things are absolute tanks. And the more I drive this old Mercedes stuff, and the more I have to do with it, the more I'm <laughs> just amazed. It? I'm just yeah. amazed at how things just work. Like I said, the, yeah. the air conditioning in that red car, it works. <laughs> That's I, pretty I, wild. It worked when I started up and ran it. I could feel it's like, <sighs> just like a little bit of cold yep. air. So, guys, I know you're not supposed to do this, but I do it every time. I take what? the R134 and I pound that shit into the old system. Uh-huh. And it always just, it doesn't work as well because the pressure needed is, is uh, I believe, slightly higher. On There's R134 something too about those chemicals not supposedly to mix too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, who gives a shit? It's probably some environmental protection agency nonsense, and like, who cares? Anyway, I put it in there, and the thing blows. Who wants ice cold. ozone, anyways? The ozone has healed itself. I'm not worried about it. Nobody cares about one guy with his old piece of shit Mercedes well, mixing right R12 above and R134. There's a hole. Yeah, there's a hole in the ozone. Thank God. <laughs> Obviously not by the snow that's outside oh, right goodness, now. Yeah, right now, snow. It's terrible here in Minnesota. Anyways, okay. So I got. I have this appreciation for. How overbuilt these things are, because okay. they truly are overbuilt. Yes, it definitely. But weird. Like but weird. If you noticed on this yeah. engine, the uh, the intake gear 
runs in the opposite direction yeah of we the, talked about this of the time of year so so bizarre anyway okay so i'm i'm like what am i gonna do this this guide is at the bottom of the engine now did you replace the guides or anything on this motor i did i replaced the top mm. guide when i okay. when i damaged it when i was doing the um well, i don't remember what i was doing doing the valve well, you guides. were putting the new cams in right yeah and i did valve guide seals and other things okay. uh, stem seals and, and things like that um i got corrected many times because i said valve guides many times in the previous episode right. when i actually meant valve stem seals, seals. Yes. Thanks, guys. Got I appreciate it. it. I don't know what I would do without you. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, okay, details so this, matter. Okay, so this thing's lying at the bottom of the engine. I'm okay, so I pop the valve cover off and I go. I I can just see it. I can just see the top of this thing that's laying yes. in the engine. So I go and I grab my. I should grab it. It's right here. Hold on. Yeah. Usually you would think magnet tool, but it's, it's aluminum, right? It's aluminum. So you can't pick it so, up with a magnet. I got this so right you here. Have the handy dandy grabber, which I have the same one because I'm pretty sure it came from Petrol Box. Yeah, did it? This is another yep. Petrol Box success story That's a right Petrol here. Box success story. 100%. So I so I grab it with this thing, which this thing is like looks like the thing from Total Recall or yes, he like exactly. it up. Exactly. And then he grabs the ball <laughs> and he pulls the like the thing out of his nose. This is, yes, I think this is the that. tool. So That's Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. is also a subscriber of Petrobox. Yes. <laughs> On Mars. Okay. So you're. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you were able to grab it. Yes. I was able and to pull it out. I, I was able to grab it. I'm going to mark that clip so I can add that later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to grab it and I could pull it up a certain distance and then I couldn't get it past the the big guide and then there's another there's a gear down there that drives the distributor okay, okay so because the distributor doesn't just run by itself because there's no sensors on this this is old it's a mechanical distributor right yeah any car from like the 50s up until mid 80s 90s even was mm -hmm. like this it's a mechanically driven it's not coil packs it's a mechanically driven distributor. Yep. yeah yeah so i had to take that gear Ended up, I didn't have to take that gear out. I took another gear out, took the, I had to take, dude, to be able to get in here, I had to take the, the and I had to do this uh, over the course of, this whole process took me maybe nine hours, just to give you wow. an impression of how long this took, because I had okay. to take all the, I had to take guides out, I had to take the the, uh, the cams off to make the chain loose, oh. I had to take the tensioner out to move the chain out of the way. To finally, should I, should I grab, grab? I don't even know where it is. I'm not going to go grab it. No, that's it's, fine. it's in the car hanging yeah. on the steering wheel where it belongs. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and I have this. You know what? Fuck it. Tell us. Mementos well, of it. misery. Yeah. I See, I don't think I would necessarily want. Oh, he took off his headphones. So I'll just talk to you guys. I don't think I necessarily want these constant reminders because Chris always puts like little mementos on his keychain, or he has like this hanging from the rear view mirror. And I don't think I'd necessarily want these reminders of failure in the You want to take me. your mistakes with you. You want to remember okay. your mistakes is, okay. is how I look at it. Okay. So this is what I found at the bottom of the engine. If you're watching on YouTube or Spotify, um, which you can, you because can see. then you can see my beautiful face. Uh, this is and the part failure. that was <laughs> Well, this, as we'll find out, uh, maybe not. So this, you can see where it was laying on the chain. Look at that. Because it's right there. grooved. It's yeah. grooved. It wow. was laying like this, just like this. This is what I saw was this piece right here. Got it. Sitting yep. in the window. Now, of is the... that 
is that cracked on the other side? Is it supposed to be symmetrical? Uh, I, br- the- I broke it so I could make it smaller so I could put it in the car. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, because it was just, it was, but it, it was, was cracked. All... It was together. It was one piece. So it's yeah. actually a little bit longer. It's like this big. Sure. Got it. Okay. So I, I pulled this thing out and I go, this is the guide that I replaced on top of the engine. Oh no. And I was so incredibly disappointed in myself. Right. Because you, I, I dropped think... my tools. I dropped my tool on the tool bench and I went inside and shut the door, turned the garage light off. Because I was, I was you so were trying to be so meticulous. I and was. here you thought you left the guide in the motor itself. I was like, how? And what's crazy is I remember holding the guide in my hand, looking at the part number. Because I called so up So you would Mercedes. have had to have put it back in the I would have had to have been like. Just toss. Just like, there it is. Throw it. Just drop it back in the engine. I, I, I couldn't figure out how I could have done that. Right. But I couldn't figure out any other way that a t- like the timing chain guide who could have gotten in there. Right. And I'm, and I'm, I'm in bed and I'm just sitting there going, what, what how did this happen? How? Because I yeah. remember looking at the part number and I remember throwing it in the, I, I'm like, I swear to God, I remember I can picture myself yep. putting it in the garbage can. Like, yeah. In the garbage can because it is garbage because it was broken. So there was a gremlin that took it out of the garbage. And then put it back in the, the gremlin was, was me or something. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I go back and I'm like, is there any way that this is not the guide that I took off? Is there any way that someone else did a previous this? Owner. A previous owner? I'm like, there's no way. So I go back into the Instagram archive. Uh huh. And I look, I, cause I've, I fucking filmed it in my hand, looking at the part number, being like, hey, guys, look at this. This part number here. Here's the new one. Yeah, here's the old one. This is what I got to replace. It out. It's a different so guy. Like, I have photographic different, proof. I have photographic proof. And okay, now so you, how did you figure out? Because these are the same part, so they should the look part. similar. So they look how similar, did you figure out it's different? Like, there's this little round circle on here that you can see. So there's little just casting marks, right? They're, the and casting so you were marks able are to different. See that the casting mark was unique. Yes, the casting mark was different. And uh, there's like this other other things, like the way that these things are shaped, these little indents that are on here are different. So and regardless, I, you, and I went, you... I went, holy shit. Some other your fault. idiot left. And here's the thing. This head was clearly rebuilt at some oh, point because okay. there was labels on the cams with Sharpie, and it was mm-hmm. written on the mm-hmm. cam uh, bearing cam one, cam two. Sure. And Sharpie doesn't last that long in an engine. True. Yeah. It I mean, in a few thousand miles, it's pretty much gone. It wears off. Yeah, so there's that detergent. Someone rebuilt the, the head, put it together, dropped the guide in the engine, and then put it back together. And I talked to the, uh, by the way, I, I told some of this story. Um, I thought it was a broken guide. So I called up the, the place that gave me the motor. I was like, hey, yeah. there's a broken guide in here. You said there's a warranty. What what are we going to do? And right. once I found all this out, I'm like, I'm still like, well, they still did this to me, right? Yeah. This is still. So I took, the, they gave me 300 bucks, which was fair. It's fine. That's nice. Um, that was nice. And uh, they were really nice about it. Good. But my thought was, is what they told me is that the car had been dropped off at a service shop and then never picked up. And then it was impounded. And then it ended up getting scrapped and like parted oh. out. So I'm wondering so just done the top end. I think so. I think wow. so. And then, so this is, this is what I get, you know, this so is, 
that's interesting because I was going to ask. You can see, like you said, the wear marks from where the chain was riding when it was yeah. rattling around, like yeah, not right where there. it's supposed to have wear marks, right? No. And that means that it was shaving off aluminum. And yeah. So it's like, how how bad was that for the so, rest of the motor? Oh, this isn't much aluminum. That's okay. not a lot. Plus, it only probably happened in the time that I ran it. Exactly. That's what so, I was going to say, which um, is nice. And I think because the main seal didn't leak when I started the car the first time, is <laughs> I think that this wiggled itself down there and, yep, and, and popped and it out. Popped out that, that main yep. seal and wow. started. So thank God that the main seal started leaking. Otherwise, you never would have known, and it could have been catastrophic. It could have been catastrophic, or it would have just eaten this thing to nothing. Which still probably would have been catastrophic. What would have been bad is when this little steel bearing would have gotten down by the chain. Well, that or those chunks are going to, like, block oil passages, and then you're going to lose oil Mm, pressure. And I don't don't think so. I think that this is, uh, it's going to, it kind of gets ground away to powder. I mean, you got to keep in mind, <laughs> engines are violent things. I would be I more know. concerned about the guide side of this, the plastic. Correct. Uh, yeah, well, any part of it that is big chunks could be sucked in. Either way, it's really good you found it. And, and uh, so it is all back everything, together. It you have almost, everything buttoned up. Everything's almost buttoned up. I stopped. I got to just put a few things together, but I got have tired. You, have you driven it? No. Since then? Oh, since this? Yes. No, I have not. Okay. I have driven the car though, and it is. Did we talk with about the new this cams? Last week? We didn't did talk we? about this. I don't. Uh-uh. Eh. No, because last I heard, you got it running. You turn the key off, and you're like, "Good." I'm okay, done. so I d- I did drive it. Um, where did I? I think I just you yeah, I drove it around the block. Okay, yes, that's where I went. That's what I did. That makes yes. sense. I, w- I went to the gas station and put gas in. You didn't have any gas. Yes. <sighs> it needs a five-speed transmission <laughs> okay it is you put signif- aggressive it is, it is significantly more powerful right but it's it's you snappier the power band up i moved the power band up so when you're when you have something like a four-speed it's great if you've got a 930 or something with boost where the torque right, when comes you have on. torque yeah i don't have torque this is a high revving motor now. Well, and you made it worse because, yeah, now you moved all of the power up I in did. the rev range. Up into like 7,000 so... RPMs. And it makes power up there. It does. <laughs> and you go, but when you shift. Red line shift. Bleh, I'm, I'm losing 3,500, 4,000 RPMs on a shift. Wow. So it's like, Duh! and then you have to like, yeah. oh, it's, it's like. I it's do like, remember that from driving it on the rally, too. I was like, wow, there's a lot of space in between the gears yeah. here. It does need a, a five-speed, so I've got to figure that out. Um, I've got to get one. I've got to figure it out. They're expensive. I'm going to wait a didn't, while. Didn't you say there's also a six-speed that potentially there is, you like, could make There's work? a guy in, like, Norway or something. Leave it to the Swedes to do stuff with Mercedes. They love them. <laughs> uh, that makes a, an adapter kit. It's okay. around... It would probably cost me around $3,000 to convert it mm. to a six-speed from, like, a SLK 320, otherwise known as a Chrysler Crossfire. Right. So I would have a six-speed gearbox from one of those, which would be I mean, super that'd be cool. Rad, but like that'd be rad. Does that I, include the cost of the transmission? They're cheap. The transmissions are like oh, five okay. or six hundred bucks because it's a Chrysler. Yeah, they. Well, just, okay, Mister yeah, Custom Adapter Plate on your Trooper. I know. I just the Let's problem just... is is that I need to stop hemorrhaging money. <laughs> I told you how much money I spent on cars last year, and I don't need yeah. to repeat it publicly. No, I know. It's fucking that's... embarrassing. Yeah, I, I need to like doing three projects like this, doing the 911, this thing and the trooper all at the same time in one year. 
Holy yeah, man. big projects, big, big projects. projects. Not, Not just getting the red car going. No, no, big projects. I can't do it. I gotta wait. I gotta, I gotta finish something and just let it be for a while, which is probably what I think I might do with this, uh, with this thing. Otherwise, I've got a new rear end to put in it to shorten things up a little bit. See, I think that's but a like, good interim step, right? It, it is, it is. I just because even I, with a five speed, you might want a shorter yeah. rear end. Yeah. So do yeah. that. Drive it. I like yes. it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you came uh, over to my house um, on Sunday. <laughs> I came over to monitor you. Where Saturday, uh, I suppose it was. It was whatever Saturday. I came over to, to monitor you because. What does that mean? Well, you told me that you broke off an extractor in an aluminum <laughs> engine block and that you yes. were going to try and drill it out. And I went, yes, Jake needs supervision. <laughs> <laughs> because. Which, to your credit, I kind of did, right? Uh, you, so you're not incompetent, no, but you, but you do, I not, am impatient. You are extremely impatient and things yeah. like, uh, like this need patience, uh, very yeah, much, very I much learned. patience. Right. Uh, so why don't you tell okay. everybody what you did and then I'll laugh at you as you go along. I love it. Okay. So, well, first of all, setting the stage, there are now two broken 944 turbos sitting up in the air in my garage so i have my red car that i'm let's uh let's not say broken let's say not running not because they're not they're not broken well they're not together yeah but you took they they worked before you took them apart so you broke them which means they're not broken they're they're Project. <laughs> self self broken <laughs> yes okay yeah. so yeah we have my red car who's still on the hoist and then motor is basically ready to go back in it's off the stand on the cart to be lifted up in there but mm-hmm. i have to there's a couple things in the bay i want to get done here first because it's impossible these stupid don't buy a 944 turbo do not worst car ever to work on they are bad there's so much crap in that bay it's just so terrible to work is on. it emissions is a lot of it emission stuff or not even really no it's just it's so complex because it's early turbo here's, here's what it is i think right and this this happens with most manufacturers when this happens you have an engine design okay yes. you've got uh it's a big displacement four cylinder whatever that doesn't right. matter the 2.5 yes you have you have this engine design and yep. you go great let's put it in the car it works great for yep. a while and then you go need a little bit more power let's and they're like okay it. let's let's add some things and then yeah. you have like this creep of technology that just keeps getting yep. like modularly bolted onto the engine and pretty soon <laughs> you've basically got this medusa of shit bolted on yes. a previously very simple engine design that wasn't really designed to have any of this so this no. is like an additional engineering bolted onto the engine which causes right. things to be like really complex and overly done. And none of it was meant to be there. So then right. you just have a problem on your hands. Because I'll say one of the good hallmarks of a well-designed machine, car, engine, etc., is the ability to maintain it and work on it, right? If that's engineered into the design. Like, how do you access this bolt to get to that, right? Yeah. Usually, yeah. if it's engineered from the ground up, a good mechanical engineer will be like, okay, we need to make provision to get to these things. Yeah. That and now, now you have collaborative. Like, people have uh, 
collaborative CAD environments where they can all sure. work together and put things right. together. Like in a one way person that they designs sense. how the engine should be, and another person goes, "Okay, but in order to take this component off, let's also add, you know, a, a provision or a hole here." Yeah, right? and and a lot of times I think they go, <laughs> "Who gives a shit? Fuck that guy." And well, even though yes, they have the exactly. that's why I yeah. said well designed engines, yeah. machines, etc. This thing, I think you're right because they just bolted more systems onto it. It's the worst. We had to take the steering rack off to get to the bolt on the bottom of the motor mount for the mo- for the turbo to come off. And you had to take the intake manifold off to get to all these other things that you shouldn't have to do, right? It's just, it's ridiculous. So, And not, not to mention that, even on a basic 944, doing anything like a timing belt water pump is already a nightmare. So, yeah. if, you have, like, so if you have one of these cars and they don't have that done, they're worth like $3. But if you what? do this work and you do the timing yes. belt and the water pump, they're all of a sudden worth thousands of dollars more because exactly. it is such a nightmare. Yes. And so Colin pulled his car in two or three weeks ago to my garage because we were going to do his timing belt. And Simple job. Well, no, it's not, like, to be Simple honest. Job. But that's where it started. So start just unbolting crap, throwing it everywhere. And you get down to the water pump housing and this we should have added heat. We should have soaked it in penetrating oil. He didn't. What happens we when snapped. you put? What happens when you put dissimilar metals together in a corrosive yeah, environment? Yeah, there's different corrosion and expansion it, and contraction. It's called galling. Uh, sure. Yes. So basically, you have a, a stainless or or a zinc plated bolt in yes. aluminum in a an environment which is has constant salt, temperature fluctuations water. plus salt and all this other stuff. Even in like a good environment, I think that you have the potential for this to happen because it dissembles. Because it's it's the chemical reaction and they bond together. Yes. As turns out, they bonded very well together. So one thing that you studs off. This is one thing that I learned a long time ago working on like Volkswagen aluminum heads is taking like water necks off and stuff like this with these little 10 mil six by one bolts is you have to heat exactly what it is. You have to heat them up before you even try. Don't try and go, mm, that doesn't feel great, because that by that time, you're already done. You have to add heat <laughs> on this old shit uh, before you take it apart. It's just a good habit to get into. That was That is good to know, and I probably will remember that now. <laughs> I bet um, you will. Yes, because, okay, long story short, two of the studs that hold the water pump housing onto the front of the motor broke. And they broke basically flush with the engine block. This is not part of the head. This is part of the lower block, which is all aluminum. And so we're like, well, get to drilling them out. And I, for some reason, tasked myself with this because I think our friend Colin was a little like disheartened about the whole yeah, situation. That's, that's super so bad was, for morale. Anytime you it, do it stuff was. like that, it is. It was it bad sucks. for morale. And so he was working on other projects. And so I drilled out the top one. Good to go. It worked pretty well. I got it basically hollowed out. So you have the bolt, you drill it out. The bolt itself is still in there, but now it's hollow. So you can get Mm -hmm. an extractor or something in there. So I got that one drilled out. And then I finally got the bottom one drilled out. Great. The top one, I, did I try putting an extractor in it? No, for some reason I started on the bottom one. I put an easy out or an extractor in there and started wrenching on it. My question still is where did you get this extractor from? I don't even know. I'm sure it's crap. But I judging don't think by I... judging by your tool set, yes, it is probably <laughs> from Harbor O'Reilly, Freight. or it's probably the the shitty version. O'Reilly's of probably better than Harbor Freight. In in this case, yes. You if you're going to here's a word of advice for everyone: 
Yes. If you're going to use extractors of any yes. kind or yes. easy outs or any of this stuff, you have to buy good ones. You buy the I... best ones that you can because. Yeah. So the, the extractor then just snapped because these things are hardened. They're meant to be hard, but that means they're very brittle. Mm-hmm. And so it cracked right off flush with the motor. And, and what like, was your what? thought? Oops, that sucks. <laughs> Crap. Oops. 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 I don't know. And I'm realizing I'm thinking back after the fact. I've had extractors that. crack off more than I've had them actually extract the bolt. So I'm kind of just done with any sort of easy outer extractor, period. I'm done. Yeah, they're they're difficult don't do if it. they don't because here's the problem. You really can't drill into an extractor because it is already super hardened tool, tool steel. steel. Yeah. Right. So okay, that sucked. The top one then, I, I just said, eh. We'll get to that later. That's future Jake's problem. The top one, I just kept drilling out to the point where there was almost nothing left of the bolt, and I was able to run the same size tap through it. Good. Good to go. That was great. Yep. The bottom one, I I did a bunch of reading and research, and they basically said, you're screwed. Maybe bring it to a machine shop. Well, you can't do that. It's the engine, and it's in the car. And they said, well, use a Dremel with some basically grinding bits. Yeah, but that's not what you did. Away. Yeah, that's, that's not what, you, what did I was I do? there. I was there. Okay. You tried what using. What did I do? Okay, so here's Jake, everybody. Uh huh. High speed, high pressure drill bits. I bought the yeah. best drill bits in the world. I I'm did. gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna. And I went through half of them. And you. So I, I'm trying so, to help. I'm helping Colin with other things, working on the interior. Yep. I hear the drill. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> this dude. Oh, and I had to keep going over there, and I'm just like, Jake, you uh-huh. need to slow down the drill should be like it is a very slow process and he would do it anywhere and then i would walk away and all of a sudden (laughs) i'd hear the drills and i'd have to go over there and be like jake and i heard we snap and Uh i go over there it's like yeah i broke the bit off so now there's an extractor in there with Uh a cobalt (laughs) drill bit broke off next to the extractor yes and i'm like I'm just like, holy shit, dude. Holy yeah. shit. What are yeah. you doing? You need to slow. So then he gets another drill bit and he's trying to figure out. And I'm uh-huh. like, I'm like, dude, it's not going to work. Yeah. No. What you are doing is not going to work. No, because Mainly, you're trying to drill into hardened steel with hardened steel. Yes. It does not work, especially not. If you, Have you ever used a drill press with metal? Yeah, of course. And you're going like you this go really the, slow. Yeah. The, the drill press is already going slow. You have no yeah. choice. You'd have to like take the top yeah, off and but move I the had belt around when I was in control. So yeah. I went fast because I was getting bored and yeah. I was not patient. Dude, so you, then like, that is your that... biggest downfall. You did the same thing on my 911 when you came over and you're drilling spot welds. You wanted to get, do as many spot welds as you could really, really fast. And you ended up yeah. just like drilling through both right. pieces of metal right through everything See, rather than. T- yeah, like, didn't do that. You right. are like not a, you just, you got to slow down. Nope. Yeah. You just got to slow. Um, Here's so quick, then, did you try, did you try to weld anything? Oh, to these? yes. Okay. So before you came over even, yes, I did weld, try welding both of those. And here's what happened. My, the welding worked. It worked great. And what I read and what I had tried is because usually you take, you know, if you have a stud or a bolt that breaks off, you take a nut and you try to weld the inside of the nut to the stud. But a lot of times you won't get proper penetration because you end up just like welding the nut itself and don't mm-hmm. hit into the. So yeah. what you because do the, is you the, take the, the, the block doesn't get hot enough. 
basically is what it well, is. Well, and it, you shouldn't it, even really get to the block, but it's it's the stud, or the, right? the the bolt doesn't get hot enough, right? Because you're putting all the heat into the nut. So instead, I was like, this is genius. You take a thin fender washer, put it there, and you yep. just weld the heck out of the stud itself onto the fender washer. Yeah. So really good penetration, and then you can weld a nut to the outside of the fender washer, and now you can really crank on it. And yeah. I did that three or four times, and it kept breaking the stud, not the weld, the stud further in the hole to the mm. point then where it's like you can't even get in there with a welder. So I did try that a lot. Mm. I also tried, this was a fun one. I didn't do it as much as I probably should have, but this is a really old school technique that I learned. Okay, so you weld your stud a little bit more just so you have weld protruding mm -hmm. that you can grab something. And then you take a battery and jumper cables and you put your hot lead, your positive on this weld to the stud and you take your negative lead onto just the block of aluminum next to it. And what happens with the dissimilar metals and how it conducts electricity, that stud will get red and white hot before the aluminum starts to melt. Oh. And you will also start to melt your jumper cables and it's probably not good for your battery. Um, but it supposedly we'll get to the point where that bolt is just getting to be liquid and you can just turn it out. You are never allowed to work on money. <laughs> never. Doesn't that never. sound fun? Sounds yeah. awful. Never Sounds allowed. Great. All right. So I did all that before you came over. And then I came over. And in the time you were over, I proceeded to break off that extractor, break off, off that drill bit, and break then? off two more drill bits in the extractor. And then break another extractor. Well, yes, and then I finally got did it you as break, we were leaving. Did you, did you break the off the extractor in the drilled-out extractor? Because yeah. you used a diamond bit to kind of grind so, away. Yeah, here's and what then I figured out. for some reason, you yes. put another told, extractor okay. here's, into Here's my the thought process. Yes, here's my thought process. Hours. We were at this for hours. And finally, what I realized was the method that actually worked is you take a Dremel. I had a diamond little needle grinding bit. It was mm -hmm. diamond tipped. It was very expensive for how absolutely teeny it was. But how much was that, it? I think it was $27 for this teeny little diamond yeah. bit. And that would actually grind away at that extractor. And it doesn't like drill it. It just literally grinds it. It pulverizes it in dust. Yeah. And so I was able to actually get it where that was started. One more drill bit than I think I was able to get it to where it's, it's a hollow bolt again. Great. We're back to square one. There and you I go, go you know... Chris, we've been working this so hard. It's had so much heat put into it. It's been weakened because now we have had so many bits and holes and stuff and everything else put into it. I bet I could get it out with an extractor now. And so I put an extractor in. I'm being really easy, real ginger. I don't want to snap another snap. Dude. <sighs> so that bolt has had two extractors, three drill bits in it. And finally, I went and got more of these expensive diamond bits for the Dremel tool, and yep. I just ground the hell out of it and got it to the point where there was no stud left and yep. no bit. And then and tapped, it, tapped again. it and it's good to go. Just oh, yeah. a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Wow. I don't know All what right. the moral of the story is. I don't see one. No, I do. Slow down. Nah. All right. Don't tell me about. Outs. Tell don't me use about extractors. That's my moral of the story. Don't use cheap tools. You're, I'm your just, garage I'm done, is full I will of never, cheap I will tools. never use another extractor. Okay. Period. I think that's fair. All right. Fair enough. You know what I will buy though? 
I do want to get some of these posters from yeah, Automotive yeah. Anonymous. So what started as a personal collection of motorsports goods has turned into an amazing curated selection and store of vintage automotive posters and collectibles. Chris is going to go over to Auto Anon right now, AutoAnon.com, and take a look at what we got there. Um, the owner is a Porsche enthusiast, but Auto Automotive Anonymous has hundreds of products, not only from Porsche, but all sorts of awesome old motorsports decor. All the posters featured on the site are original. These aren't reproductions. These are original rare posters that he's collected over the years and amassed a collection. Many extremely rare pieces are in there, and the unique enamel pins are also, also their limited editions. Uh, inventory is updated every month. Vintage motorsport apparel, books, models, and other collectibles are coming soon. If you're watching us on Spotify or YouTube, Chris is going through the site right now, or you can just head over to autoanon.com. Um, there's also on Instagram at Automotive Anonymous. And we also have set up a free shipping for all your posters if you just go to Overcrest. So there you go. A little bonus there. I love, um, you know, he, he puts a ton, so many a ton of research into these posters, too, as far as, like, valuation. Because they do, I'll, I'll be the first to say, they range as far as price. Oh, like, dang. Look at this This one. really cool indie poster we're looking at right now, 45 bucks. But then you have some that are, like, four digits, right? Like, very expensive stuff. But he takes time to value them and be really fair with it. He's not trying to gouge you on pricing. So, really cool. Ah! Check him out. <laughs> Look at this That's picture. That's awesome. Uh, Autoanon.com. All right. So we got a little bit of a uh, little bit of news, don't we? We put together way too much news, to be honest. I know. Let's let's we can make this episode go a little bit longer. We always bail. All right, let's, let's do let's... it. Okay, tell so me your story, Chris. Tell me the, a story. The EPA has stepped up the anti-ice regulation. Now I thought to higher we heights. Stepping, no, I thought we were stepping back. I thought last so week New Hampshire Germany was they were petitioning. They yep, were saying, New you Hampshire. know what? Let's 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 allow combustion engines. Yeah, but no. You, you think the uh, the Sierra Club members of the EPA give a shit? They certainly no, don't. I guess the not. EPA announced expected new. So this, I couldn't find a non like what moron version of this article. It's written like as a so press release. It, no, this is written by an idiot. Oh, okay. The EPA announced that someone that loves this. I, I guess I should say ah, someone that okay. absolutely loves this. The EPA announced expected new emissions rules Wednesday that will save Americans trillions of dollars in health and fuel costs. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, I'm they, glad. Like, I can't wait to see that reduction for myself, personally. Yes. And avoid nearly 10 billion tons of emission and which the EPA projects will, projects will result in an EV market share of about 60 to 60 percent by 2030 and 67 percent by 2032. It wow. seriously was okay. hard to find a news article that didn't just absolutely fillet the EPA uh, <laughs> on, on this. The media is okay. so, so like, somewhat in the biased, tank. We're saying, yeah, all the all the media is very extremely biased towards towards EV. None of it, none of it, none of it talks about the impact on society yeah. or how this is going to change how we travel. Or, none of it. It's just well, it's just even the financial and resource allocation. Oh, we'll get there. I did some math, Jake. I did okay, some math. Good. I want to. The new EPA rules do not mandate a certain percentage of EV sales, but rather mandate rapidly decreasing average fleet emissions between 26, okay. 26 and 2032. Like I've always said, they're not going to ban anything. Yeah. They're just going to make it untenable to manufacture or purchase their own. That's what okay. it's all about. So, is this, was the keyword there fleet emissions? 
Are they average fleet, fleet, the whole vehicles? fleet. No, no, no. That's not oh, what okay. that means. I get it. I get Between it. Okay. 20, 26 and 2032, fleet emissions will need to drop by an average of 13% per, per year. Per year. So per continuing. Year. Until reaching 82 Gs, grams. I don't know these numbers. 82 of, grams CO2 carbon. per mile. By comparison, wow. the average new vehicle in 2020 uh, emitted 347 per mile. Grams per mile. Yeah, about four times as much as the rule. So wow. you need a 400% reduction in emissions if you want to sell what you have out on the road right now. Every year. Uh, yeah. Or no, 82 grams. No, total. Yeah, so so it's, it's by 400% reduction. A 25% reduction every single year is what they're saying. They also uh, target emissions of several other pollutants, such as this, that, that, and the other thing, reducing mm-hmm. each by about half in the long term. Uh, automakers can meet these mandates with whatever technology they choose, whether battery electric go. vehicles or otherwise. However, it is most likely that most automakers will lead, lead heavily on battery electric vehicles as they emit nothing at the tailpipe and are more easily well, scalable than other technologies like hybrid. Exactly. Like hybrids, fuel cells are attempting to wring more efficiency out of gasoline engines, which we can't. We can't. We are there. No. We are there with direct injection, turbocharging, high octane, high compression. This is it, boys. This is it. You are not ringing any more efficiency out of the combustion engine unless it's a hybrid. Which yeah, we won't do. Not, which yeah. we won't do. We will, they, I wish we could lean hybrid. We know that Toyota wants to, but we won't. The EPA calculated costs and benefits from the new rules and estimates that the benefits of the new standards would increase would exceed costs by at least one trillion dollars. Give me Wait, a break. So implementing this would cost it's everyone gonna, a trillion dollars. You know, it's, uh, it would oh, exceed the benefit. Yeah, potentially much more in optimistic scenarios, which is this is like ans- asking the congressional okay, budget how? office to doesn't say. Well, they the average they consumer will save twelve grand over the life of a vehicle. If they can afford they're, it in the first talking, place. If so they can afford talking, it in the first Oh, well, you're not going to pay for gas. So that's how you're going to save. This is like McDonald's promising that their burgers are really healthy. They they promise. Okay. We can't, like, it's just, this is all speculation. In addition, these emissions guidelines, the, the regulations seek to establish a minimum warranty period for EV batteries of at least eight years and 80,000 miles and to require onboard battery health monitors. So not only are they saying it has to be an electric, I know they say they're not saying that, yep. but they're also saying that manufacturers have to warranty the batteries for eight yes. years. And 80,000 miles. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's so you'll be well. paying for that. Uh, that will be rolled right into the cost of the vehicle. You're right. Because they're, they're going to figure, well, it's going to need a battery replacement within that life cycle. So we're going to double the cost. Yep. So wow. and then what are we going to do with those batteries? You know, I know hmm. that Tesla says that they're going to put them in power banks and stuff like that and and in but as we go but on, but it's like it's like we, nuclear energy, which we did that episode. Nuclear waste. It's sure, not you quite can, as bad. You can race. No, but what I'm saying is, you can recycle nuclear waste once, right? We talked mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Spent fuel rods, but the efficiency of it is so much lower than it was. Yeah, that but that's why they're going to use it for storage it. of energy. So they they will take the okay. let's say they'll take the battery. This is what they do. They take the battery out of the Tesla and they put it in mm-hmm. a power bank for your house. I forget what they call it. I don't. I don't yeah, remember. It's the Powerwall. Tesla Powerwall. Power so they go into Powerwalls. That's what they want. But here's the thing. Yeah. When we have right now, there's like 1.7 million EVs on the road. Once we're getting up to 20 million, 30 million, 50 there's million, not enough power walls. Not enough power walls. <laughs> so what are we doing with these batteries? Okay, so that's that's just yeah. a question. Okay. All right. So a little bit of little bit of math. Okay. How are we going to go from seven percent, which is what the current uh, amount of new cars sold that are EVs, seven percent? Oh, okay. To yep. sixty to seventy percent 
in six and a half years. That's what they want. That is wow. an increase of 1,033%. Yeah. So I, did I can math. tell you I how we're going to do that is because manufacturers aren't going to offer internal combustion engines, period. And we're yeah. already seeing that. Yeah, like, saw... honestly, that probably isn't the hard part. Here's we are the... going to see that happen. Here's the thing. When citizens reject this, what is going to happen when all these manufacturers have poured billions and billions of dollars into research and development to build these cars that nobody wants to buy? Mm -hmm. We'll get there. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're, we're increasing sales by 1,033%. That's that mm -hmm. what it comes down to, which is the ultimate of the kicking the can down the road in terms of engineering. We can estimate the number of charging stations needed for a 1,033% increase in EV sales by comparing the number of charging stations currently available to the number of EVs on the road. As of April of 2023, there were approximately 1.7 million EVs on the road in the U.S. A 1,033% increase in EV sales would mean that by 2030, there would be around 18.4 million EVs on the road in the U.S. Wow. Bear with me. Assuming yep. the average charging time of 30 minutes per EV and an average daily driving distance of 30 miles, it is estimated that the EV, each EV will require at least one level two charging station per 50 EVs and one DC fast charging station be, uh, for every 200. Based mm -hmm. on these estimates, a 1,033% increase in EV sales would require approximately 366,800 additional level two charging stations and 92,000 additional DC fast charging stations than we have wow. right now. That's a lot of infrastructure. That is a lot. So they, they uh, that's a lot of infrastructure. And they cost anywhere from, and here's the thing, I understand that economy at scale, as we start doing more of these, it's going to get cheaper. But right now, it's anywhere from just the charging station without the installs, around 1000 to $3,000 for just the station. And it's several okay. thousand dollars to install it. Sure. Then you have maintenance and, and everything else. So they're well, I really was expensive. Say, haven't we already, and we being like, you know, Electrify America, been trying to bulk up the infrastructure already? So like, is the infrastructure already beyond what's needed currently? But it sounds like you did the math to see what would actually be needed. Yeah. And the national Renewable Energy Laboratory says the cost of building a national network like this uh, for 15 million EVs would cost between 12 to 18 billion dollars wow. 12 to 18 billion yeah another study by the american jobs project estimated the cost of ev infrastructure upgrades needed to support one just 1 million evs in california alone could range from 3.7 to 6.8 billion dollars now multiply that wow. by 20 right okay um i also wanted to i was wondering about this the cost of common electric yep. panel is 150 amps yeah that most houses are 150 200 amps so putting a charger in your house is going to exceed or close to exceed the capability of most people's electrical box, since an EV charger uh, needs 240 volts and 40 amps. Interesting. I don't know. So okay. this is, a, and then I'm just going through costs. There's been $2.6 billion in EV subsidies so far. That's at wow. $7,500 EV credit. That's sure, uh, $2.6 yeah, billion, which I think is insane because EVs are expensive. Right. So yes. it's like this it's like this tax credit for rich people that's totally siphoned off. The I see what class. you mean, because the people are buying them anyways. Yeah. yeah. So far, the regulation has been focused on new cars. So yes. I, I'm, I'm seeing this this thing where, like, if people don't adopt this, they're going to start mm -hmm. squeezing used cars. They're so, going to start yes. squeezing everything. And that's 
that's what's interesting is kind of the downstream effect of this mm-hmm. because we've talked about like what about the farmers in the midwest or even your average person in the midwest we had our friend yeah. alex nelson the engineer drive a tesla for a number of years and he showed like it's not tenable here just because of the temperatures we see and the range yeah you're gonna see a squeeze begin over the next years you know gas taxes are gonna go up there'll be lower registration fees for evs versus internal combustion engines carpools will be ev only there's gonna be urban zone regulation you won't be able to drive your car here but you'll be able to drive it there do you Um, think though we'll see citizens be like look we realize there's also this push for evs right now normal people think this is a great idea they don't see the downside right they don't see the negative Uh, i don't think i don't agree with you i don't think most people feel that way you don't i don't i don't think that reinforces my question do you think in the next five to ten years people are going to push back and say look we're not going to elect people that are going to put these rules into practice we want to step back a little bit they're not going to use their vehicles are you insane do you have any idea the amount of lobbying money and the billions that these companies have spent to make sure that this regulation gets into place and is safe yeah. for these companies to build these things. These companies are betting the farm yeah. and the cows are already out of the gate. So there's no putting the cows back in the barn. Okay. Everything. I out. run for an office though. And I'm like, my only, no. my only platform no. is it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. My only platform is, you know what? We're going to roll back EV requirements because whoever is in Vote charge of the, like this, it's not going to happen. There's Vote too Jake. much money. There's too much money. When was the last time? When was the last time you saw a politician? We live in a democracy, Chris. We live in a democracy. When was the last time you saw a politician go, I'm going to fix everything? I'm going to be the first moral politician ever. We're going to get in there. We're going to change things up. And then they get in there, they get in there, they join a committee, and boom, it's over. It's over. All of a sudden, it's like the mafia got a hold of them, and then nothing happens, and they're completely morally corrupted. Jake is on his one issue platform. They're yeah. going to ask me questions about all the other hot mutton issues. I go, it doesn't I matter. Know. I don't care. Jake, so you're never I'm my one. Stop, stop, I get elected. Stop. Stop. stop, oh, stop I want to talk this. Okay. Through. Yeah, but you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you why you get elected. You're going to uh-huh. try and get and you're going to be like, I'm going to get on the on the committee that makes and builds the regulations for this. And that okay. committee that makes and builds the regulations for this is going to go. Wow. Look what Jake ran on. That guy is uh-huh. a new senator. Fuck him. Uh-huh. He's not on this committee. That's how it works. Too bad for you. You don't even get a say in how this is written because you aren't on the committee because you're Jake, the guy that said he was going to do this. And guess what? That's not what they want. That's not so what they even want. If you get elected, no, nah, ain't going to happen. Change. Nope, it is never going to happen. These these manufacturers put so much, so many billions of dollars into this. There's no way they're not going to let you, Jake Solberg, drive around in your shitty old car because you don't want to buy a new one. Guess what, dude? You're going to buy one. And if you aren't buying one, you ain't driving that one. Get on the bus. That's how it's going to be. Slowly but surely, you're going to capitulate. They're going to make it so hard. They're going to make it so different. And I, I'm not a Luddite. I get it. This is going to change. It's just too fast. It's too fast. And a bunch of people are getting rich. It's too much. It's Jake for Congress, 2026. Yeah, good luck getting on the committee to make any changes. It ain't going to happen. It is Never. frustrating. I know. I know you're right. Okay. Speaking of the glorious internal combustion engine, you know about the Gordon Murray T50, the V12 fan car, the spiritual yeah. successor to the McLaren F1? You want to hear they, it? Yeah. They did a, a recent Top Gear headed on the show, and they did a, a big test of it. I just want you to hear it. It's pretty wild. All right. I forget let's... what it revs to. It's absolutely nuts. Oh, I can't share audio, so we're not really? going to. Nope. 
Oh. Let me. Okay. Well, well I'm, you know audio. what? You've probably seen it on social media. It revs out to 12,100 oh, RPM. I figured it out. All right. 12,000 RPM, Chris, in like right, every let's, year. Let's, let's, let's hear just... it. Holy shit. Woo. Wow. I mean, it's pretty wild. Wow. That's all. Uh, that's incredible. And that's going to be, that's pretty much illegal. That is the devil yeah, you right there. That. Don't that have that. That is the devil. You can't have that. All right. Uh, speaking of EVs and the devil. You know what uh, I don't, is this the thing that's got the fan, right? Yeah, that's the fan car. That's stupid. I know it is. It's such agree. a dumb thing. Why, like, why, like, it's just, why do something like that? It ruins the look of the car. The car is ugly. I know. I it's like hideous. the idea of it. It's it's not great looking. It does look like an F1, kind of, because just the wedge and the simple it's styling hideous, of it. Dude. I like everything except the fan in the rear, but I get why it is, and it's cool that it is the fan car, right? Yeah, that's going to be so much downforce without any drag, Chris. Yeah, that, that'll be great. That's the on whole your, point. On your, that'll be great on your way to Cars and Coffee. You'll have all well, that downforce. Yes, I know. Uh, okay, Chris, Chinese I will manufacturer. Give, I will personally... Oh, uh, no, I'm broke, so I can't say I would do Yeah, that. you can't do that. Well, I'm going to give so much money to someone who shows up at Cars and Coffee with one. No, no, no. no. You can't I would that. love to see one of these on the on the track. It's just if someone sees one on the track, just that's not Gordon Murray driving it or, or Top Gear. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you'll see it. Well, you're right. Yes. Come you on. You won't see him on the track except for those publications. Yeah. That'll take him. Okay. All right. Um, I don't want to talk right about along. no sodium buying batteries. I don't care. I don't okay. want to talk All about EV anymore. All you have to know anymore. is oh, you, none? Okay. No. Well, I'll just say that the Chinese are like the, all they're doing is EVs now, right? Yep. And ironically, they are the single largest source of lithium to make these lithium ion batteries, but as we've done studies before, we've gotten talked to like these experts that have stated like there, there's not enough lithium on the planet Earth to make all the batteries that be required for these vehicles. <laughs> You remember we've talked about this, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. okay, well, they're looking into other things. Sodium ion batteries are a thing. They're doing this now. China is the first to put them in their cars. Hey, you probably like those. You add salt to everything. So that's going to be right up Ooh, your alley. They'll be tasty and delicious. Uh, problem with sodium is it's 500 times more. Well, it is 500 times more abundant. So we have plenty of sodium. That's good. It's but far less energy dense. It's less yeah. dense. Yeah. So yeah. you need more batteries for it. And it'll add more weight, blah, 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 blah. That's what's going on with sodium. Mustang it's... is doing a safari? Yes, Chris, you're fast forwarding. These are my stories. I know. I'm skipping that. I okay. want to go right to that one. I know. One. You're so bored. I, drill it's... faster, Chris. Just drill faster. Don't... Drill faster? Drill faster, yeah. Don't care about going slow and steady. Just keep going. You don't have patience. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, right. China's car market doesn't like foreign brands anymore, it turns out. Now they the domestic vehicles. Whoa. What? I want to talk about the Mustang. I'm getting there. Wait two seconds. This is okay, interesting. Okay, okay. Okay. So we've known that many of the world's automakers have been catering to the Chinese market because it's one of the fastest growing buyers of vehicles. Looking at you, the hideously styled BMW girls. We know that's why they did it, so that they could be recognized within the Chinese market. However, new reports are showing that as more domestic Chinese cars are becoming available, they're selling better 
than their imported rivals. The market share of China's domestic car companies rose to 52% in the last quarter, which is more than imports. The rapid rise of Chinese electric car makers like Li, Auto, BYD, why do you Why Neo, do you care about this? I don't. Here's what's interesting, though. Um, where is it? Okay. Luxury imported vehicles, such as the likes of BMWs and Porsches, used to be a status symbol for the emerging upper middle class in China, right? However, this seems to be shifting as, quote, car fashions change quickly in China. One Chinese consumer was interviewed at this year's Shanghai show, Shanghai Auto Show, stating that he will be selling his Porsche Panamera that he bought just the year prior in order to buy the new Li Auto L9, which is a Chinese SUV. Mr. Chow dismisses the designs of any multinational automaker as dull and old-fashioned. Quote, they're far behind, no matter whether it's U.S. ones or even the German ones. They don't even seem to be in the same age. So basically, to the Chinese eye in the Chinese market, every other auto manufacturer out there is boring looking. And the Chinese market is like basically every new car that the Chinese are making is just weird looking and new every year because they want something new and stylish that year. Well, maybe they'll stop stealing everybody's design then. Well, not only that, hopefully now we can stop designing to the whims of the Chinese market and just make good looking cars again instead of BMWs with massive uh, grills. I think you'll see it going completely the opposite direction. Oh, good. Okay. So, Chris, this is the there story is. you want. Yeah. I've come up with a new automotive term, first of all. Safariized. Safariized? Right? So we Here saw it. it. I got we saw the it with the 911 right Dakar. We saw it with the Lamborghini Huracan Storato. And now we can add another safariized sports car to the list of roadworthy rally-ready lineup, the Ford Mustang. Specifically, the 2026 Ford Mustang Raptor. So borrowing off the uh, Raptor's brand for the F-150 and the new Bronco, the Mustang Raptor will feature a nearly 500-horsepower, 5-liter V8, a 10-speed automatic transmission as the only option, Jake, and Jake, ready? This, what? This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. That's only a render. We don't know what it looks like yet. Oh, I, if you Google, God. all of these are renders. No, this is okay, really dumb. So this is yes. like coming someday. No, that's 2026. But it's based off the seventh gen Mustang platform, which I don't think we've seen yet. But no, okay. all of those are renders. That's why I didn't even want you to bring it up because that's not what it'll look like. But oh, here's what's interesting. God, because that is terrible. For the first time ever, all wheel drive in a Mustang. This thing will be all wheel drive. Does that make it a real Mustang or is it not a Mustang power? anymore? Because it's got all I don't know. I don't really Come on, you're a Mustang guy. What do you I think? I, I don't think it should be all wheel drive. No. Do you th what about. Uh, it doesn't need to be all wheel drive. <clears throat> you are the guy that used to complain to me when I said a 911 shouldn't be all-wheel drive. You fought me on this. And now you're you're reversing course on the Mustang? Well, on the Mustang, yeah. But not, but not Even the, 911. the 911. You're right. The 911, too. I've driven should all not drive be all wheel drive. They're not should not be all-wheel drive. The weight is all in the back anyways. You don't need the front wheels to spin. You know. And by the way, it's a viscous coupling to front-wheel drive 911s, so it doesn't yeah. actually put down power that much anyways. When you need a bunch it, of crappy AKA weight. when you're stuck in the snow, as I've done. Um, let's see. An electronically controlled center differential will send torque to all four wheels. It's got a two-inch lift. And it's got a completely revised suspension featuring the Raptor request requisite now Fox shocks because everything's Fox shocks. Everything's Fox. Raptor. And those are only renders, as I mentioned. But you can it's expect every like, Safari, everything. Unique they're a little they're a little late to the game with vendors. They are, but Porsche it takes a while to, to, to like create these vehicles, right? You have to go through the whole product development cycle. Yeah. And I think we're gonna see more of them come out and the ship I think is sailed. People aren't gonna care. All right, Chris, uh, oh in the most recent bid, 
to tie electric cars to something, quote, cool, Porsche has teamed up with Atari to make an online game called the Tycon Arcade. Are you quote, ready for this? Are you ready for this? <laughs> yes, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the quote from Porsche. Okay, quote, you, should I share the, the year? Yes, the year is 2023, and after 15 years of Pong, Porsche unleashes an all-new electric machine with an electrified soul. It combines dynamic performance engineering with the heart of a Porsche. I'm going to play it's the music really... for a second, then I'm going to turn it off. Are you ready? Okay. Can't really hear it, but it's it's old school arcade. Look at this. Normal, turbo, electrified. You've got different That's di- your difficulty di- level. Yeah. So it's a stupid arcade game that's supposed okay. to look like the original Pong. And for some reason, instead of Pong paddles, you use a little Tycon car. Oh, this is stupid. Yeah, I know. So how much and do you again, think they spent on this? Oh, a ton. Custom development work for a web app? Yes, that's a lot of money. Uh, and it's really on, dumb. The... I don't know. They're just trying nope, to... Still the you know what music. this is? They're trying to, like, um, Look, it's easy. take advantage of the retro... Oh, just don't move. I win. Yeah. Oh, because you this did two-player the... and not moving? <laughs> it's the easiest game ever. Yes. Uh, no, because like they're obviously trying to take advantage and tie into like retro '80s electronic. Like, ooh, it's an electric car. So that's dumb. Um, Can we like? I'm so sick of the uh, the co-opting of retro culture for anything yep, that is that's futuristic. All it is. It's yeah, like we. It's retro like we futuristic. need to. We need to just. We need to move on. There has to be some on, other man. thing. It's a. Oh, you know what's cool, Chris? Let's do like retro '80s electronica. Let's let let's tie that into Porsche. You know like they it did doesn't some market make any segment sense. study. Like what is like oh, they did what a, does this a say? bunch of research. The year is 2023. After over 50 years. Oh, you read this? Oh, yes. it's, this is on the game. The soul electrified. Yeah, it's, it's soul, really Jake. It's soul it's has been soul. electrified. Electrified. And what do you always soul. say if you want to know about what they're worried about? What are they marketing? Exactly. Soul. Is, there is no soul. I've driven them. None. They're crazy cars, but there's not a whole lot of soul they, there. They haven't earned anything yet, and they're never going to if they keep propping themselves up on heritage and uh, all this retro shit. They've got to earn it on their own. They need to earn their own moxie, and I don't know how, how? they're going to do that. How are they going to do it? You can't I don't know. Do it it's not my job. With that. It's yeah. not my job. Um, all right, I have job. two more stories. Do you want to hear them? Uh, do you want to pick one? If you do, I'll pick one. Nope, neither one. Wait, new, MG is making a new sports car? That's kind of yeah. interesting. I didn't uh, even get to that one. I thought it was interesting that GM has a patented a wild new tow assist device. It's basically okay. a miniature trailer. I'll just read the whole story. So they okay. recently filed a patent application for a tow assist device that boosts a vehicle's towing capacity. It was published by the U.S. Patent Office last month. And the application is for a, quote, tow assist system based around a wheeled booster unit that couples between the tow vehicle and trailer. So the unit would have up to four wheels, be attached to the vehicle's standard hitch, and then have provisions to hook any type of trailer up to the unit itself with the patent drawings showing a fifth wheel. <laughs> the patent drawing? I've got it up pulled up here. The patent drawing. Is there a better drawing? This thing? Yes. It looks like some sort of black... <laughs> it looks like a... It's, hold on. It's a steampunk. It like, <laughs> yeah. It is a blacksmithing cart with built-in plumbing. Correct. It, That's what it looks like. For some reason, looks very steampunk. It so is... electric motors would drive the tow assist unit's own wheels, with traction supposedly not being a concern, as the unit would use the trailer's own tongue weight. 
The motors would then be powered by onboard battery packs and could also be configured to help power a trailer or even help charge the tow vehicle. Look at this directional charge. Look at this picture, Jake. See, that's cool. You I can like use that it to move your trailer around just with the little cart. Yeah, I kind of so, like that. It kind of makes sense with fully electric vehicles because you could theoretically hook one of these up to like your little Tesla Model 3 or something and still be able to pull like the, a massively fully loaded fifth wheel. Can you imagine using... some idiot trying to back this thing up? Well, okay. I was just going to say there's two issues I see with this. One, there are different double towing laws on the books in different states. Okay. So double towing is where you trailer a trailer behind a trailer, right? Yeah. They also call it like, uh, trailer training and there's different laws per state that's why in some states you'll see like ups trucks with two different trailers and others you don't because it's not allowed in that state so gotcha. technically this is a trailer towing a trailer so how does that factor in <laughs> and secondly i would love to see your average person how try to back thing? up a double it's just a patent it's not a it's not even released yet or anything like that just but buy, yeah i'm just sure buy a, just buy a truck right just buy a truck what are we I doing? Know. Like, what is this? This is stupid. Yeah, I can't imagine trying to back this thing up, although I'm sure it'll probably have some software to do it for you, right? No, I'm sure. It's. I still think it looks like an anvil on a on a cart with indoor <laughs> fire. <laughs> it it's like, has, like, wagon wheels in the patent truck. It's kind of funny. All right, what do we got going on later this week, Jake? Later this week, I have a very interesting story. Um, as you know, Formula One this year you know Formula features a new track in Las Vegas. But you may not know, this is not the first time that Formula One has been to Vegas to race. Sounds like and a, it was an absolute abhorrent failure. Sounds like quite the gamble. Oh, we'll see you guys on Friday. Take care.